I can't. I don't know how. I don't want to. And somebody else is better at it than I am. It's all true, isn't it? But it's hogwash. The Word says, when I call you, I will empower you. The problem is we get called and we stop there, including me. <laughs> we need to just open up, put our best foot forward, and allow God to fill our mouths. Now, we have an unusual service at our church in that we have a number of people speak. Usually it's one person, and they get up there and give a long dissertation. But this morning we're going to do it a little different like we normally do. I'm going to ask Vicki to come up. And she's going to share about the auxiliary. You see, the Gideons were formed as a group of men to hold each other accountable, to encourage one another and to lift one another up. And that's still what we do. We have a Saturday morning prayer breakfast where we do that and a monthly meeting where we do that. But as a service project, the church, we had been a part of the church. The church came to us in... in uh, 1908 and they said you guys are placing a few bibles here and there for your own purposes the church we will supply to you if you will take on placing god's word in hotels and motels across the united states that was a big undertaking you know but the gideon said yeah that's who we are as we encourage and hold each other accountable we will do this. Well, the, auxiliary, the wives of these men formed the auxiliary and said, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to do a little bit of scripture placement also. So, my wife just told me not to go any further with that. For the first 40 years, the only thing the auxiliary did was pray. 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 And that's still our number one function is praying for the Gideons. Now, we first pray for our own husbands, and I, I've told people this. The best, what, best marriage builder is praying for your husband. Because when you pray for him, it's hard to be mad at him. It's true. Along about in the 19, well, it was in, in uh, the 1940s, uh, the nursing nurses in the military asked for scriptures because the military were getting the scriptures from the Gideons. So the Gideons gave the auxiliary the, the um, opportunity to give little white testaments to all the nurses in the military. Now we take these into all medical facilities, uh, doctors, dentists, offices, hospitals, nursing homes, wherever there's a medical personnel, and we hand these to those personnel. Now, we also do a lot of witnessing, and, and some of you have received one of these from me because you've needed it at a particular time. Um, I carry these in my purse all the time because I think I have sucker written on my forehead. And so I hear a lot of stories, and I don't have the answers to people's problems, but God's Word does. Now, I want to give you a testimony of, of how one scripture, a white testament given to a nurse by an auxiliary member, affected the lives of a family. The nurse's name is Mary Ann. She said as she came on, on her shift that, that evening and was given her charge of patients, she was told about one particular patient that was very angry, and she had been not so nice to all of the staff, and uh, she had a right to be angry. She had reoccurring breast cancer. 
had an open wound on her chest, and she was just angry. So Mary Ann, being a Christian, began to pray as she made her rounds, and she saved Evelyn, that was the woman's name, as her last patient to visit on her first rounds. And when she went into the room, she said, Well, how are you doing this evening, Evie? And Evelyn looked up at her, at her and said, I have not been called that since I was a little girl. Now, see, God knew that, and that's what he laid on Marianne's heart. That opened the door for Marianne then to really talk with Evie. As she was changing her bandages and so forth, she said she just had conversation with her. And as she finished, the patient said to her, said, what makes you so different from all these other nurses? So Marianne reached in her, park, in her pocket and pulled out a little white testament. She said, it's the Jesus of this book that makes me different. And she shared a couple of scriptures with Evie, and Evie said, can I keep that? She said, sure. So she left it with her, and she was in and out of the room several times during the evening, left that night, came back the next day for her shift, walked in Evelyn's room, and there was a different patient lying there. Her name was still Evelyn, but she was a new creature in Christ Jesus. Evelyn asked her to call her sons. She said, I've been estranged from my two sons for years. She said, will you call them? They probably won't come, but will you call them? And so Marianne called them, and the two sons came. And Evelyn used that same little testament that Marianne had given her to lead her two sons to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, was it important that an auxiliary member went and placed that testament in that nurse's hand? Absolutely. It was just a few weeks later that Evelyn passed away, and Marianne was able to be at her service. God bless you for what you do. It's not about who we are. It's about who he is. Now, Dwayne's going to come and share, and then Dean's going to come and share, and then Tommy's going to come and share. If they leave me any time, I'll have a word for you. You know, God's word deals with hope, help, and healing. I don't know this testament by heart, or this testament by heart so I'm going to read it because I just found it about two weeks ago. It was very impactful for my life, and I hope it is for you. This is how a Bible can impact a life or a family, just like what Vicki read. I was born in Indonesia. My father passed away when I was very young. So my mom and I lived with our grandparents. My uncle, a teacher struggling to provide for his family. To make extra money, he collected trash to make things for, to sell. But for some reason, in that trash, he found a small Gideon Testament. He picked up that Bible, just took it home with him. At some point, my uncle became a Christian. I was excited to share. He was excited to share what happened. Each week, he traveled from his hometown about two hours to see us at my grandmother's house. There they discussed the Bible and disagreed about the teachings all the time. I always stayed in the kitchen and kept my mouth quiet as I heard my mom and my grandmother and my grandfather and listened to the conversations. 
My grandfather passed away. None of us knew if he ever accepted Christ or if he did. I felt if it was my uncle's attempt to share the gospel with him was always a failure. I convinced that Christianity did not work. However, God was at work all along. Through listening from the kitchen, my grandmother had accepted Jesus Christ, and she later led my mother to accept the Lord. When I learned my mom had become a Christian, I felt so betrayed and anger, angry at her. I moved to my aunt's house, who was still a Muslim. One day, my mom came to visit me. For my birthday, she handed me a fruit basket and a gift. The gift was a small little book, and it was that testament. Mom, I don't need a Christian Bible. I'm a Muslim, and I'm a good one. I threw that Bible in the, in the front of the corner of the room, and it laid there. A week passed. I haven't had any attention to the Bible, I, but something inside kept telling me that I needed to seek guidance. So I decided to do my night prayer, which is the Muslim uh, to, to God. That's what they call their night prayer. At the end of my prayer, I said, Lord God, show me the way to if my mom's faith is the right one, I want to join her. But help me because I don't understand if it's the right one, I want her to join the Muslim faith. In, sp in the split second, I saw a man standing in front of me. I couldn't see his face. I could only see a bright light. He came closer to me and said, come to me, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In a split second, he was gone. I immediately ran to my aunt in the, in the other room and said, did you see a man walk through our room? Liz, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. No one has come to our house. Go back to, go back to your room and go to sleep. The next morning, I re remembered the Bible in the corner at the time, and I didn't know any books of the Bible, so I randomly opened the Bible, and there was a Matthew eleven twenty eight that said, Come to me, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I kept reading and discovered that Jesus said in those words, I flipped the pages and I found where it said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no, no one comes to the Father except through me. At that point, I had so many questions. I couldn't answer. I went to visit my inman, which is my Quran teacher. On my way in the taxi, I sat holding the Gideon Bible, and the man across from me asked, I'm a Muslim. I just, I just read it occasionally. Fast forward, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I was baptized in November 2001. I prayed that a lot of people, I, I prayed, and a lot of people prayed for me especially my mother. In time, five out of my eight and my mom's siblings came to know Christ because of a little testament. In about two weeks, we're going to be on the streets of Mooresville. We're going to give out about 2,000 of these. That is powerful for our community. However, there will be people that you and I will never know and never, never meet that will receive a testament through the, your giving and how the, how the Gideons operate. And I just want to let you know, as I started, 
this word has hope, help, and healing no matter where we come from. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dwayne. I just want to uh, give you a little insight, a couple testimonies this week. Uh, first of all, as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ and a Gideon. A while back, a year or two ago, the Lord woke me up at 12 o'clock midnight on the dot and spoke clearly to me. He gave me one word. That one word was plow. So I go back to the scriptures, I read. So Isaiah 28 tells us that the one that plows is also the one that scatters the seed. So I, what the Lord, I believe by faith, was telling me to do is through prayer, to, to pray, scatter the seed to where he wants me to go. So, and there are many ways to, say, to, to sow the seed. You can do it through a verbal word. You can do it by placing in God's word. We the Gideons love to place the word. Now, before I, I can go a lot of different areas in my business. And I get to frequent different places. So, before I go into a business, whatever it may be, I pray a simple prayer. Lord, if there's someone in here that needs encouragement, use me. God's faithful. So I go into a business the other day. I uh, talked to a gentleman, and um, a door kind of opens up a little bit. Now for me, right or wrong, sometimes it's wrong, but when that door opens, I insert my foot. Can I get a witness? Okay. So I insert foot in the door. They cracked open. So I started talking to this young man a little bit, and uh, we start talking about uh, the Word, start talking about church. And he has a dilemma of what church he wants to go to. He wants to go to the one with his girlfriend or to another church. And so we talk a little bit about it. And one of the first things we learn in the Gideons is to, kill, uh, to carry concealed. Come on. Come on. Gideon's carry concealed. So I'm standing there talking to this young man, and I just reach over and pow. It's the word of God. So what I did in this case was I, I handed him, him an app card to, to, to download onto his phone. The younger generation loves these app cards. So I handed him the app card, and, uh, which opened up the door wider. That door swung open after that. And um, so he started beginning to tell me about his baby and the problems they were having with their baby. And immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I was able to go to the God's Word. I pulled out this testament that's been around the world. It's seen a lot. It's already marked up. And I was able to encourage him because his daughter has many complications with uh, medical needs. And I just shared this simple word with him. And I'm going to read it. It says John uh, 9, verse 1 through 3. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither 
hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. And when I gave, when I gave that word, it broke him. God's word was sowed into his heart. He took away some encouragement because he has a daughter with special needs that I believe by faith that God is going to be glorified in and through. The second testimony I have was just yesterday I was with a, with a young guy. Uh, similar situation. The, the door opened. Insert foot. And uh, so we started talking a little bit. And uh, at my particular workplace, I give every operator one of these testaments. They get a, a testament. I tell them to keep it in their, their machine because they have a little bit of downtime. They have time when they, they're sitting still. And I want them to just pick up the word and glance. Well, he gave me a testimony yesterday. He said, Dean, that testimony that you gave me was the very first time that I ever went to God's Word for my problems. See, because there's a section in the front that's got helps that, that tells you where to go in times of need. And he did that. He went through several different places that, that, uh, and received encouragement from God's Word. That encouraged me because of the, the, the God's Word um, just really hitting home. So, as we were leaving, I handed him an app card, which gave him the full-length version, and he jumped for joy. He's like, what? So I didn't know I could get the Bible on my phone. <laughs> so I left him. I'm sure he downloaded it. And, and um, yeah, we'll wait for the next testimony. But uh, thank you, church, for your giving. Good morning. This morning, Miss Vicki has shared with you what the auxiliary do. She shared with you a very vital part of the Gideon ministry, which is prayer. Uh, Dwayne has shared with you the overseas ministry, what's happening overseas through the giving of God's word. Dean has shared with you this morning on personal witness, which is a huge part of what the Gideons are about. I'd like to build on that this morning. Uh, Miss Vicki's testimony said that Mary Ann had witness to her two older sons was that was that right to pardon me evie evie did two older sons it's not about just one person and how they come to a knowledge of jesus christ it's about a whole household and as i was searching for what to say this morning i was reading through the scripture and the lord laid this on my heart it's in um, acts 11 who will tell you words which you and all your household shall be saved and I'd like to start this morning. I went through a lot of uh, testimonies. What will I do today? What has this crowd heard? What have they not heard? And I kept coming back to some of the older testimonies. And I want to share at least one of those with you this morning. Let's go upstate to West Virginia, big coal mining country up there. Little girl in a fifth grade class. Gideon comes to her room one day and hands out testaments. The little girl takes that testament home. She reads it. Her mother tells her, Oh, honey, you can't bring that in this house because your father will be furious. He forbids any kind of religious material to come into this house. He's going to be mad when he finds this. Well, she reads that little testament every day, 
every night her mother would come into her room and by the lamplight they would read that testament together. The little girl and the mother received Jesus Christ as a personal savior. So they devised a plan. How will we tell daddy? So what they did that day was they put that little testament in a note explaining how they come upon this testament, how Jesus had changed their life. They put all of this in his lunchbox. He goes off to work into the coal mine. That day the coal mine collapses and traps him and a lot of his co-workers together in there. Well, you know, this happened a long, long time ago when technology didn't exist to drill in and extract trap miners. But they got them out. They dug in and got them out. But they were all deceased when they got to them. And on that sheet of paper and in the back of that little testament said, this is not the tomb of 10 West Virginian coal miners. This is the place where 10 elect children of God came to know their Lord and Savior. Because that book was in that lunchbox and that book was in there and a Gideon gave that book and a church member was faithful to buy that testament. It's the reason that got down there. Now, the... Um, we, we got a, by the way, I'm going to use your time, Wayne. Uh, the, uh, you can tell them about the card program. Uh, the, uh, my wife and I, my wife's on a camping trip today. She's gone with one of our little ones off to do that. She camps. I don't. The Red Roof, the red roof Inn's where I camp. But, uh, the, uh, but nevertheless, this is a perfect time for me to share a little bit about a testimony that is very close to my heart. Uh, when we showed up here at Abundant Life, I bet you folks said, who are these people, and where would all these kids come from, and why don't they discipline them? But, uh, but anyway, I know you thought that, didn't you? You probably still do, but anyway, uh, I'm going I'm to explain it a little bit today. But uh, I want to tell you about a testimony that happened down in Louisiana. I go all over the states, don't I? Louisiana, little boy named Timmy Townsend. I haven't told this testimony in, I think, 15 years. But Timmy Townsend went to school. The Gideon handed out a little red testament to him. He read that little testament, loved that little book, carried it with him everywhere he went. It was tattered and torn. He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, and he said, you know what? I need to go to church. Well, none of his family went to church. His entire family, large family, a lot of kids, none of them went to church. They just didn't do it. Every Sunday morning, out the back, the, back the, the screen door slams against the back door as it goes out. I don't know if any of y'all that were, grew up with the screen door that went whap when it closed. But uh, anyway, he's off to the church. He goes to church, and he just has a wonderful time. This goes on for months. One day he's at school, the teacher calls and says, Timmy's got a tummy ache. You need to come get him. Well, they, his mom goes and gets him, and it's not unusual for a little 8-year-old to have a tummy ache, but... Um, it is a little unusual that he didn't eat lunch that day. So she took him to the doctor. The doctor referred him to a specialist. The specialist referred him to a surgeon. Timmy entered the hospital and had a very large tumor removed from his abdomen. So he got out of the hospital, regained his strength. Everything was fine. A few months later, he re-enters the hospital for what would be a 41-day stay. And he's laying in the little uh, hospital bed. I've got ahead of myself. The... Um, in between that time, he says, I got to go to church. I got to go to church. Well, he's compelled one day to get up out of the pew and go down front and get on his knees at the altar. He had already received Jesus Christ, but he just felt he had to make a public profession of faith. So he starts down the aisle and he stops. He turns and looks behind him. 
And there is his mother and two of his brothers standing in the aisle with him. And he says, what are y'all doing here? They said, Timmy, we've been reading your little book too. And we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. We were just waiting on you to go down to the altar. Now we have the courage to do it. Apparently they've been sitting in the back of that church for weeks. But nevertheless, they all went down to the church altar and uh, accepted Jesus Christ, made a public profession of faith, and then Timmy went back into the hospital. Well, he goes back into the hospital, and he's in the room, and he says, Mom, I hear somebody singing. And she says, well, Timmy, that, there, there's a train track close to the hospital. It's probably just the train whistle you're hearing. He says, no, no, I, I, hear, I hear somebody singing. And he said, Daddy, raise me up. So his dad raised him up to the window. Little Timmy looked out the window, and he laid Timmy back down in the bed, and that's when God took Timmy. And, you know, it's, it's, we, we follow Christ. We accept the Lord Jesus. We make him Lord of our life. We follow Christ. But things don't always turn out the way we would want them to. And uh, it is so refreshing for Rhonda and I to sit in these seats in this church. And we know Wayne and Vicki with the sickness with a little girl and the miracle that was performed. We sit here and witnessed Ella Kate, a miracle. I'm reminded of the old gospel song, there's a miracle in every pew. And the reason that's so sweet is because Rhonda and I, we left our first little boy at the hospital. We were already, she was 20 maybe, I was maybe 22, 23. We got married, we were starting to build a house. I've been somewhat of an overachiever. We were working really hard, you know. Most people 22 years old don't build a house, but I was, you know, pushing. But, uh, the, um, but that little boy came along and... All the folks surrounded us and showered us with gifts. We had all kind of baby clothes and baby stuff. And the house was full of that stuff and all. And then we went to the doctor's office and did a sonogram. And I saw a tear roll down my wife's cheek. I had no idea what that was. But she knew that things weren't working. We were attending a church. Unfortunately, we didn't know about healing and believing and speaking life over somebody. Proverbs says death and life is in the power of the tongue. We didn't know about all that stuff, so we were just hanging on every word that the medical community was telling us. But we did because we're overachievers. I had been uh, uh, working with the hospital uh, using this. Uh, uh, you had to pay the, few, the, the, the nursery stuff in advance. So... We paid all the nursery stuff, and it's a good thing because they gave us a reimbursement that we could use for the funeral. I wasn't planning for that. But I just want you to know that life happens. It really does. And there's a miracle in every pew. But I want you to understand that uh, it doesn't always turn out the way that you think it's going to turn out. But nevertheless, it doesn't change the Word of God because six chapters later in the book of Acts, it says, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So it's more than just you, it's your household. And the message I want to leave with you today is we're going to praise Him when we win and we're going to praise Him when we lose because He's still on the throne. Thank you. And the miracle today is Tommy got done. I want to share a video with you. 
today, and this brother's name is Larry, and I want you to listen to Larry. He is a prime example of a man coming to Christ and turning right around and sharing his faith and his Christ, and it's what it's all about. Now, he only goes a generation or two, but listen to him and hear what he has to say, and he sums up the ministry better than anybody. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard this old sinner's cry, and from sin's waters lifted me, now safe, safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. God's love lifted me. That's my testimony in part due to the Gideon ministry. In May of 1968, I had just been processed through Fort Dix, New Jersey, and put on the cattle car and carried over to McGuire Air Force Base to board a flying tiger bound for the Republic of Vietnam. And as I was loading that plane that morning, uh, there were two men out there, and they were handing out Bibles. Now, I claimed to be an atheist, that I didn't believe in God. Uh, and uh, they asked me, though, would I like to have one of these little New Testaments? And I took that thing because I was hoping if I carried it in my pocket in Vietnam, it would protect me from the big bullet if it ever hit me in my heart. And so I took that Bible and got on the airplane, a flying tiger bound for the Republic of Vietnam. And this Georgia boy went on the wildest plane ride he'd ever been on in his life. Somewhere between Japan and uh, the Republic of Vietnam, we skirted around the backside of a great storm. And that plane would just shoot up in the air, felt like thousands of feet, and then drop just as much. And you could feel the wings as if they were hitting solid ground out there as they buckled. I pulled out that little Bible, and I looked at it. And I said, you know, I don't know how you work, but if you could help me, I would appreciate it. <laughs> And do you know it just calmed down up there? It was like we slid in on glass to Benoit. Benoit. And as we were coming in, uh, there was a mortar attack. And we came in, lights out, and the doors flew open. They said, run for the bunker, and they were leading us there. And I was hanging on to that little Bible, asking it to help me. Later that night, I ended up at the Republic of, uh, or rather the Long Ben, uh, 90th Replacement Battalion in Vietnam. And uh, the first sergeant was telling us all the important places. And he said, now, if there's a mortar attack, uh, you'll assemble in this bunker over here. And I was just a 19-year-old kid, and I remember asking him, first sergeant, how will I know if there's a mortar attack? And he took the cigar out of his mouth, and he spit on the ground, said some things I couldn't tell you tonight. And he said, son, when the buildings start blowing up around you, it's a good indication it's a mortar attack. <laughs> I held on to that little New Testament. I carried it with me everywhere I went. I never walked point. I was never on mission that I didn't have that Bible in my pocket, but I never read it. I went back home, picked up my wife, uh, went to uh, Fort Gordon, Georgia, where I was to serve as a drill sergeant. I was only there for a short time, and I ended up back in the Republic of Vietnam, and I still have that little Bible with me. I remember I really came to the place that I didn't think I was going to get back home. And I wrote my wife and I said, Honey, if there is a God, I don't know him. And if there is a hell, I'll surely go there. I asked people to pray for me and they did 
they were and they continued to pray for me more earnestly. And I took out that little New Testament that I had never read. And I remember Brother Trotter, Gideon, told me that paper is patient. That little New Testament had been waiting on me for almost two years. And I opened it up. I, I had a cousin named Matthew. I didn't like him, so I skipped over the Gospel of Matthew and over uh, Mark, Luke, and John. And I ended up in the Gospel of John. And the very first verse just reached out and grabbed me. It said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I read on a little bit more, and it said, this Word was also the light that lighteth up every man that cometh into the world. And I read on a little bit more, and this Word that was the light was manifested, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. I read on a little bit more and found John the Baptist who said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Read on a little bit more and I found in chapter 3 a fellow by the name of Nicodemus. When I got to seminary, I realized his name was Nicodemus, but he carried me up a called Calvary and at John 3 16 I realized that God had died for me on the cross of Calvary I'd like to tell you I became a Christian then but I didn't but I went back home under Holy Ghost conviction the God of that Bible had walked off the pages and got into my heart and when I got back stateside I said God if you'll just show me a real live Christian I'll believe and I said God not another Baptist show me a real live Christian and I'll believe and my wife, who had grown up in the Baptist church, a, God, a good woman, uh, gave her heart to Jesus. And there in my home, in the kitchen, in the living room, in the bedroom, I saw the grace of God in a person's life. Gave my heart to Jesus too. And just a short time later, God called us into the ministry and we went to college and seminary. And shortly thereafter, God allowed me to go back into the military as a chaplain. And that's when I really discovered you Gideons and the wonderful ministry that you have. Thank you so much for giving us the Bibles that we needed in the military to put in the hand of every one of those young men and women coming into the United States Army. Uh, my first assignment was a basic training environment, and I remember I challenged all these young people to read the Gospel of John, and we'd get together and talk about it. And shortly thereafter, a young man came up to me, and he said, Chaplain, I'm from Defudiac Springs, Florida, and I walked down the aisle, but I really didn't trust God. I didn't believe there was a God. I just did it to please my mom and dad. Uh, but he said, since I've gotten here to basic training and met the drill sergeant, he convinced me there is a devil, so I know there must be a God. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, he, he had prayed that prayer and uh, gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, may I tell you that I had the privilege to talk to witches and Wiccans and warlocks and shamans and atheists and Satanists and Buddhists and Muslims and talk to them about the living Lord Jesus Christ. And first of all, I asked them to read from that little New Testament they had, the Gospel of John. And I'm glad to tell you, I saw many of them fall down on their knees and make Jesus Christ the Lord and master of their heart. I remember a witch who said to me, she said, can you tell me where a big tree is and I said yes I can and I carried her to John 3:16 and walked her up that hill called Calvary and I said there's a big tree on which God died for you and that witch fell on her knees and gave her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ the Word of God is powerful amen
I had a first sergeant who came up to me and he said, Chaplain, listen, keep that Bible away from me. Uh, you can give it to my soldiers, but keep that Bible away from me. And I said, First Sergeant, have you ever read the Word of God? And he said, No. I said, First Sergeant, I double-dog dare you to read the Gospel of John. He took it. Two weeks later, he called me. He said, Stay in your office. He came in, fell down on his knees in front of my desk, and he held up that little New Testament. He was a big man, and his hand was trembling like it weighed 10,000 pounds. And he said, Chaplain, I want the Jesus of this book to be the Jesus of my life. And there on his knees gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I want you to hear this. I know that he was saved. Because on his knees, he pulled out his checkbook, and he said, my mama said, if you're really saved, you'll give a tithe to God. I said, hey, man, there's a man that's really been transformed by the power of God. And he wrote out a check, and he made it out to God. <laughs> Amen. That afternoon, he asked me to be in the company area, and I was there. And we had a formation after retreat. 200 young men and women. He put them at parade rest, told them to pull off their BDU cover, and he said, now, Chaplain Sweat's going to come, and all of you are going to give your heart to Jesus. <laughs> I said, First Sergeant, I like the way you work. I do, but we can't do that. But I went to the day room, and we had about 25 to 30 that afternoon give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been reading that little New Testament that you helped provide, and the Word of God had quickened in their hearts, and they came to know Christ as Savior. A young man was there, gave his heart to Christ, and he went back home to get married, and then he was bound uh, for Desert Storm. Uh, he went home after giving his heart to Christ, he had that little New Testament that you folks helped provide. He went home, got married, and about a month later, his mother called me, and she said, are, are you Chaplain Sweat so-and-so with this unit? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, do you remember Private so-and-so? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, did he really get saved? I said, yes, ma'am, he really gave his heart to Jesus. She said, my son was killed, he and his wife, on their honeymoon night. And the only thing I have is this little New Testament in which he wrote in it that he received Christ as Savior. And he had your name down there. And she said, I've got his little New Testament and I've been reading it. She said, Chaplain, do you think, do you think I could get saved? I said, yes, ma'am, I believe you could. And over thousands of miles with that little testament that left Fort McClellan, Alabama and ended up in Denver, Colorado, she went through the scriptures and I went with them, with them uh, through them together and she gave her heart to the Lord Jesus. Wow, the power of the Word of God. Gideons, listen, don't give in. Don't give out. Don't give up. God bless you. Keep going for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are more who need the Word of God and who need to be saved. Thank you. God bless you. Larry can go on for days, but Larry's no different than you and I. He didn't know Christ, and now he does. The difference is he steps forward. He doesn't give in, he doesn't give out, he doesn't give up, he attacks. So the, today I want to challenge you to pray for the Gideon ministry, pray for those testaments. Dwayne told you we're going to be on the streets of Moore for a couple of weeks. And we're going to be 
giving some testaments to Christians. We're going to be giving some testaments to people that aren't sure. We're going to be giving testaments to people that worship all kinds of gods. We're going to be giving testaments to people that are going to throw them down. They're going to give them back. They're going to say, I don't want these. They're going to take them just to be nice. has nothing to do with me or the other guys that are going to be there, the gals that are going to be there. It has to do with what God speaks to them through that word. So pray. That's just an example of what's, what's happening in the next year. M- maybe you're a professional, a business or professional man, and you'd like to be a part. Uh, you can join. See me. And we ask you to give. Now, in this church, on any given Sunday, on every given Sunday, our pastor gives us a challenge. Do you hear it when he comes to the pulpit? You've accepted Christ, now you need to share him. He prepares us to go out. Now, us Gideons, we carry these little things around to help us along. Helps in the front, plan of salvation in the back. Uh, it's, it's like falling off a log. Here, read this. And God does what he's going to do. It has nothing to do with me. It's not, as Larry started out, it's not a good luck charm. If you're carrying your Bible around, your faith around as a good luck charm, get over it and move on. There's a relationship with Jesus Christ. By the way, in the back of our church, there are some little testaments just like this without this emblem on it, but it has the helps in the front and the plan of salvation in the back. They're for you. There are app cards. They're back there. You take them all, we'll put some more in. Give you a tool to go out. Sometimes we need a tool. We need a little help. But then pastor gives us a challenge to get it done. And he's not challenging us at all. He's challenging us to let God work through us. So, Bob Goff says, who are we going to witness to first? Any of you know Bob Goff's answer? Step out the front door, look to your left, look to your right, and look in front of you. Whoever's there, as Larry said, regardless of their religious beliefs, meet them head on. Share Jesus with them. Let God do his work. So, Pastor, thank you. Oh, what a day. Can we thank these guys again for their uh, giving today? <clears throat> Just their heart. Well, um, we're going to close out here, and there's going to be a couple guys at the back, a couple of the Gideons, actually. You guys can go ahead and head on back there. They're going to have their Bible open, and as you go out, we're asking that you would put, if you're going to donate, if you would put your, your offering in that Bible. It's just the way that the Gideons have done it for a long time now, and, and I think it's a powerful symbolism, example of what's happening. You're investing, you know, you're sowing your seed into God's word. Um, the scripture memory verse for today in your bulletin is your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. We've heard a lot of stories about that. You have your own story. Here's the, here's the deal. Today, by your giving, you're enabling more of those stories to happen. 
with the challenge that Mr. Stowe gave referring to what we do every week um, by you going out and telling people the gospel. You're allowing more of these stories to happen. Real quick, last year, here's what our church was able to do uh, when it came to ministering, of, of uh, giving to the Gideon's ministry for the distribution of the gospel and, and, of course, the word of God. Last year, our offering on Gideon Sunday was $1,059. I'd like to see us surpass that today. I believe we can. Um, we also had, uh, at Christmas time, the cards that were in the back, and we put them on the Christmas tree. $460 came into that to distribute God's word. Um, there was another offering that was given. Someone had donated money to people who had volunteered to, to do a couple things. Anyway, $100 came in for that. Um, we also do this thing. We do not send flowers when there's a funeral here at our church, when there's a, a death at our church of, of a family member or whatever. What we do is we place Bibles in honor of the person who is deceased. We place Bibles in their name. And so last year we were able to give $610 to that. So that's a little over $1,200 that we were able to do in those avenues. We also received last year a very large gift. And what we, uh, the council did with this gift was it didn't go to pay salaries, it didn't go to pay light bills, it didn't go to do any of those type of things. All of that money went out to ministries that are working within our community. And so we were able to give $7,000 to the Gideon's ministry for $9,229 total that Abundant Life gave last year. That is 7,694 Bibles that were placed just last year from, from this house. Praise God for that. That's an amazing tool. How many, how many stories? Are there going to be 7,600 7, stories that uh, go out? I don't know, but we pray that there are many more than that because one Bible could change a whole family. Amen. So let's stand together today as we close out. I'm going to have uh, Mr. and Ms. Stowe available up here. Matter of fact, they're going to pray us out of here today. Stasha and I will meet you at the back. Again, the, uh, the Gideons will be, it looks like it's uh, Dean and... Tommy back there. Sorry, the glare's right behind him. Um, Dean and Tommy are back there, and uh, just give your gift as you go out today. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, man, what a, today is the day of salvation. Allow Mr. Misto to pray for you today, and um, maybe you need healing in an area. Uh, they have these Bibles up here that has a helps in the front. <laughs> And matter of fact, while you guys are here, if you want to be available as well. Uh, but if you need prayer today, please come up front for that and allow them to pray over you. Stasha and I love you. We'll see you at the back. Mr. Stowe, Ms. Stowe, will you pray for us this morning? Uh, Father God, I thank you this morning for a privilege to be a part of a church such as this that believes in the Word, believes what the Word says, believes that the changes it can make in our lives and the changes we can make in other people's lives simply by sharing your gift of salvation. Now, Lord, I just pray you'd go with us as we go this day, that we would set in our hearts to share that which you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.